Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Wednesday, October the 17th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here, as always, to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we've got a busy one. The All-22 from Sunday is out. It has been dissected. I'll empty my scouting notebook, tell you why Adam Gaze is deserving of a mea culpa from a lot of fans. Plus, Matt Burke's unwillingness to change his game plan. We'll get you the latest on Ryan Tannehill, as well as discuss the long-term sustainability of Brock Osweiler's winning performance on Sunday. And of course, on Wednesdays, we'll welcome in the Locked On Lions podcast host for Crossover Wednesday. But first, before any of that, real quick, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show, at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com my main hub for all my work, as well as the Palm Beach Post, FanRag Sports, 3rd10.com, and of course, the other Locked On Sports podcasts, like the Locked On Lions podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And we'll bring on my guest, Matt Deary, of the Locked On Lions podcast in the second segment. But first, we have to revisit the Sunday win over the Chicago Bears with the film study. That's another Miami Dolphins And for once, we're starting with the offense because the performance was so dang impressive on that side of the ball. But the first thing up, talking about Adam Gaze's scheme and his package and the way he condensed the game and made it simplified for his backup quarterback was what won the game in addition to some great pass protection up front from Miami Dolphins. But what they were able to do in the running game to create deception and variety was what got this victory for the Dolphins, in my opinion. They were so multiple, whether it was the original outside zone, some inside zone, some split zone. They even ran some man-gap power scheme in this game. They had some inside trap plays that worked out really well. The one misdirection play on the toss back inside to Frank Gore. They were very, very multiple and very, very successful in the ground game. Continue to give credit to running backs coach and running game coordinator Eric Stutisville. He has done a fantastic job so far this year. Also, the way they condensed the field with tight packages, nasty splits. You guys hear me talk about nasty splits. That's when a receiver lines up right off tackle in close to the line of scrimmage. They did that. It created more space and made things easier to read for Brock Osweiler. And then from those formations, they chipped the edges all day long, whether it was Kenny Stills, Danny Amendola, or a tight end. Receivers getting on the action, running backs getting in on the action. They helped the offensive line so much who maybe they didn't really even need it because the way they were sliding protection to create walls and get that one-on-one matchup on the outside and winning those one-on-one matchups was the difference in this game up front for the Miami Dolphins. Travis Swanson was fantastic. Both tackles were good. The guards were good too. They dialed up screens at the exact right time once they lured the Bears into a blitz, which was all done by the offensive play calls, setting up plays for later in the game. They got the Bears into that blitz and then boom, hit him with that screen for the big play to Albert Wilson, the big touchdown play. Adam Gage just had it working in this one. He had the feel all day long. He created a lot of safe throws for Brock Osweiler. Of his 45 credited dropbacks on my scouting report, which will be up on LockedOnDolphins.com for you guys today, I have 31 of those throws as being safe, examples being drags, flat routes, screen routes, swing passes. 
Things where the quarterback doesn't have to make a read, just gets their pre-snap, holds the linebackers with his eyes, and comes back to the route off to the flat or the side, like I mentioned. So the offensive plan was absolutely terrific. The execution was terrific. Laramie Tunzel is an absolute beast. The footwork now has some power behind it, and he is killing dudes in both aspects of the game. Travis Swanson has been a total revelation. They're actually picking up stunts now for the first time since I can recall, not really having any breakdowns, and I think that has a lot to do with him. Davis and Larson, the guards were awesome. James was very good too. He had a key block on the Albert Wilson touchdown pass, and speaking of Albert Wilson, he just has this natural feel as a runner, a very powerful base, the acceleration that throws tacklers off him on that second touchdown catch that he had, the two amazing touchdown catches that he had. But on the second one, take a look at Kenyon Drake and Kenny Stills and Nick O'Leary blocking downfield. This is a team that loves playing for each other, a very selfless team, and that culture change has definitely taken effect effect six weeks into the season. As for Nick O'Leary, the tight end, he was just what this team needed. The 12 personnel packages that he allows them to bring back, a lead back, and the deception that it creates with a lead back. His presence really opened up this playbook to things that Miami hasn't put on tape this year. And because of that, I think it caused a lot of confusion for the Chicago Bears running those packages with the offense, and I am not going to skip over the quarterback play. We'll do that in the final segment. I'm going to spin things over to the defense here real quick and talk about how Matt Nagy, in his own right, had a hell of a day as a play caller. He is a very good one, and that modern, multiple-look offense that they have is increasingly difficult to defend, and yet here is Matt Burke not doing anything to change his plan. You just cannot have Kiko Alonso doing a 20-yard spot drop deep down the field. We're very lucky we played Mitch Trubisky in this game because those spot drops were going to kill the Dolphins if he was more accurate to the middle of the field. He did hit Anthony Miller on one where Jerome Baker was in coverage on a wide receiver. That can't happen. The scheme was bad. The pass rush was bad, although I'm willing to forgive that side of things because of the injuries. Torrey McTire was awful. Cordray Tankersley was bad, and the linebackers were exposed for most, for most, for most, for most of the game. Quinn continues to impact the game every single week. I still can't believe we haven't seen him really get the sack total up there or even a strip sack, which he seems so close. He's going to get there, but the Dolphins are going to need it sooner rather than later. I thought this was TJ McDonald's best game as a Dolphin. He did well to disrupt some passing lanes, had the interception, obviously, and played the run very nicely. Rashad Jones continues to show why he's worth all the money you pay him when he's healthy. This guy closes so much ground against the run, and that stop he made on the Tariq Cohen fourth down play was simply as good as it gets from a safety in the National Football League. And it's really kind of remarkable how well this defense has played as a whole, given the injuries they have on this side of the ball. I talked about the defensive end position being completely ravaged so far. I mean, seriously, four guys at the same spot all down on Sunday for that game. But we've only had Rashad Jones and Cam Wake together pretty clearly for my money, the best two players on this defense. They have only been together on the field twice this year out of six games. Bobby McCain should be back this week. We'll see. I'm not really quite sure there, but he's going to have to be healthy and good to go against this Lions wide receiver trio. Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay. That could be one of the best trios in the league. The Dolphins are going to have to have Xavier Howard, Mika Fitzpatrick, Bobby McCain, all play this game, all play well. And speaking of Xavier Howard on the edge, he was terrific in this one as usual. He's going to get that blank check this offseason. He can write his own number when he is up for free agency. Hopefully Miami prevents him from even getting there by giving him a contract this offseason and pushes that worry aside. I think I'm willing to give this defense more of a pass, like I said, because of the injuries, but still they got gassed in that second half. It happens to a lot of teams down in Miami. You hope the Dolphins can kind of overcome that, but I do worry about their unwillingness to change the defense and go into more sub packages. 
I just so badly want to see a damn dime package for once this year. Their problems with modern offenses and kind of what Matt Nagy did with the Bears, what the Chiefs do, and the running quarterback still worries the hell out of me as Mitch Trubisky had a good day on the ground. Okay, that's going to do it for this game. Let's turn the page and talk about the Lions. We'll welcome in our guests next, but first a word from my bookie. And hosting a local NFL podcast means that I get asked for advice all the time, and sometimes it's about which team to bet on, and the truth is, I don't always know, but if you think you know, you gotta check out MyBookie. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is very easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to MyBookie, where you win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And since my bookie is slammed with new bettors and wants to give everybody the best possible customer service, if you're willing to deposit your money after 7 p.m. Eastern, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when using promo code locked on one word locked on to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code Locked On when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play money. And if you can hold out until after dinner, you'll get yourself a free 25 bucks by using promo code LOCKEDON25, one word, LOCKEDON25, for that free $25 play. It's MyBookie, where you play, you win, you get paid. And joining the podcast now is the host of the Locked On Lions podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Deary Speaks. He is Matt Deary. Matt, what's going on, man? Hey, Travis. Uh, pleasure to be on. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. We had some problems ke- connecting on a time on this podcast, but I'm glad to talk to you <laughs> because these Wednesday podcasts are so good and so informative for all the fans out there that haven't had the time to go look at the Lions themselves. And speaking of the Lions, you guys are coming out of this bye week. Where are you guys at as far as the, the medical goes from a health standpoint? Uh, the health is not bad. Uh, the third punt returner and kick returner, uh, Jamal Agnew, who really had a terrific rookie year last year, is is likely done for the year. Torn ACL, at least put on IR for now, but the Lions aren't saying whether he could come back in December or not. That could be a possibility. T.J. Lang, the fine right guard for the Lions, who was a Pro Bowl alternate last year and ended up playing in the game, um, coming back from a concussion, I think he'll be okay and, and return. Uh, Ziggy Anza, no one, no one knows. They say he's day-to-day. They said he's been day-to-day for four or five weeks. But he's got a shoulder injury, and he's been their best pass rusher the last few years. But he's never healthy. And to be honest with you, I don't think the Lions are expecting him, uh, even if he played on Sunday, to make this huge impact because he just hasn't. So from that standpoint, look, as long as Matt Stafford is upright and the running game continues to improve with the rookie carry on Johnson and Garrett Blunt. Um, I think the Lions are going to be okay. I, I, you know, I, I truly believe off a of bye, you guys playing a very, very emotional and crazy game last week. Um, I think this is a very winnable game for Detroit. Yeah, certainly the circumstances do favor the Lions, typically playing a 10-minute overtime period down in that South Florida heat. We'll get to you, but... Let's go ahead and start on that Lions defensive side of the ball with you know the, the banged-up secondary, whatever you want to call it, and a run defense that hasn't been great this year, particularly on the road. Now, whether it's slow acclimation to the new scheme or certain players not working out, you mentioned Ziggy Ansah. Where have the big leaks come from on this Lions defense? I think it starts in the middle with Jared Davis as the middle linebacker. He's only in the second year. I get that he's only a second-year player. It's a tough, tough position to, to learn. 
uh, and, and to master and be the leader of the defense right there smack dab in the middle. But I just think he struggles in coverage a lot. And if the Dolphins are able to get uh, you know, Drake or Gore or any of the tight ends free, I think it could be a long day for the Lions defensively because that's just not Davis's strength at all in coverage. As far as the pass rush goes, it's very mediocre to average. Yes, they're second or third in the league in sacks, which is good. But I think a lot of that is coverage sacks. Uh, Darius Slay is an excellent cornerback and takes away half the field. Safety's starting to come on again with, with, with Glover Quinn. Off to a slow start, but now is playing well. Um, you know, they like Quandre Diggs a lot, gave him a new contract a couple of weeks ago. So their strength is obviously in their secondary. Um, the, the backup corners and the nickel corners aren't great, but Slay is really good. And like I said, Glover Quinn's a good player, and so is Quandre Diggs. Um, but again, the, the issue is going to be, can they get some pressure on either Osweiler or Tampa Hill, make those guys make pressure throws with hands up in their faces, and the other issue, too, is the run defense. There really isn't that run-stuffing, nose-tackle, defensive-tackle type that clogs the middle since Dominican Sue left and since Aloni Nada left. So they're not great against the run at all. Um, but again, having a, a week off of bye should help them in, you know, going into this game. Yeah, you mentioned that pass rush having a bit of a problem. So the Dolphins actually uh, surprised to everybody in that game on Sunday. Shut the Bears completely out. Khalil Mack was a non-factor. Akeem Hicks was a non-factor. So... Should we expect the same thing from the Dolphins in this game, or are they going to dial up pressure packages? How will the Lions get after Osweiler or Tannehill? Because pressure has gotten both these quarterbacks in trouble this year so far. I think we expected, uh, Trap, uh, that uh, you know once once we brought Matt Patricia to town, that we were going to see all these exotic blitz packages and all these crazy things. And then at times he'll rush to real uh, true down linemen and, and push guys back. There's some, a lot of, there really isn't a 4-3 scheme. There's really a 3-4 scheme. There's sometimes it's, it's you know, it's 2-5-4. It's and four. Sometimes it's, you know, you know one, one defensive end maybe playing in the middle. He's got a lot of different looks, but I have not seen anything exotic when it comes to blitz packages or anything like that. Um, it's, it's been an in, a theme where the Devon Kennards, the Eli Heralds, guys like that, Romeo Okwara, these, these linebacker hybrid backer slash defensive ends, but mostly linebacker size wise, are the guys rushing the passer from the exterior. So until Ziggy Anza comes back, I don't see a Lions having really a true defensive end that is consistently getting to the passer yet. Well, let's flip things over to the offensive side of the ball here. And I think most people, the lasting image this year of Matt Stafford has been that Monday night game just because it was the nationally televised game. Of course, they did play the Patriots. He played much better in that one. But I've always contested that Matt Stafford is a top 10 quarterback. A play is never done with him. He has all those awkward angles he can throw the football from. How would you assess Matt Stafford's play so far this year? Really struggled earlier in the early in the year, Travis. The week one against the Jets was a tire fire. It was terrible. Yeah. He was horrible. <laughs> The Niner game, not a good first half either. Missed some throws. Missed some deep balls in that game, which which probably they could have won. Then got better in the second half. You know, Matt Stafford is, Matthew Stafford is at his best when the team is down and, 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 and he can run a two-minute offense or hurry up and get them going. Uh, last couple of weeks, though, he's beaten Tom Brady and he's beaten Aaron Rodgers. So it's not just him. I get that. But Lions fans here in Detroit are always uh, you know, quick to – point out that he hasn't won big games on the road. He hasn't beaten good teams on the road or even at home. So for the resume this year, you look at it and say, all right, two, two straight passer rating games over 100 against Brady and Rodgers. Not bad. 
makes in there a pretty good performance against Dallas and Dak Prescott, albeit the Lions defense could not hold when Stafford got them a late lead in that game. Uh, 23-21 at the time of the loss, 24-23. So, you know, all in all, he is, I don't, I wouldn't call him an elite quarterback. I don't think he's elite. I think he's very good. And if he has time, and this run game is finally going to get going for the first time really since Barry Sanders retired, um, that he should be pretty good. And I think against your pass, the Dolphin pass defense, um, which I know is shaky at times, Stafford should, should be okay. Yeah, the Dolphins' pass defense actually has played pretty well this year, but in the past it has had its problems. But, you know, you mentioned the road the road test, and the Dolphins have been a very good home team since Adam Gaze got here. But let's talk about that running game that the Lions have kind of found over the last couple of weeks, especially with rookie on Johnson. We know about Theo Riddick and what he can do, LeGarrette Blunt, obviously. Is this kind of a three-headed attack, or how are they going to approach the running game on Sunday? Well, everybody in Detroit wants them to approach it this way. They want Kerryon Johnson. Johnson to get a bulk of the carries and stay on the field. The problem is the Lions aren't doing that yet. It's only a rookie. Uh, I think they're more comfortable with Theo Riddick on third downs to catch the ball in the backfield or block and protect Matthew Stafford. Garrett Blunt in short yardage. This has been a, a, a find, certainly for Bob Quinn, the general manager, getting his guy, uh, Garrett, uh, you know, back from New England and, and, and his days, obviously, with Quinn and Patricia up there in, in Boston. Uh, this is the, what they've needed. Third and one, second and one, fourth and one, third and two, two. They have not been able to run the football in years and have not been able to convert the, that, that, that you know conversion for to a first down. Now with Blunt, they've got their big back. My only issue is, and I'm with the fans on this, is that we haven't seen enough of on Johnson. When he gets rolling and gets going, keep feeding him the football. And they haven't. He's come out of the game for Blunt. He's come out of the game for Riddick. Um, and to me, maybe this is the week. And he had a little bit of an ankle two weeks ago, but hopefully he's fine. Maybe this is the week he does get more carries than he usually has uh, based off of rest and also, you know, what Miami's bringing to the table. Yeah, defenses tend to wilt down in Miami in that second half. It's happened every game this year so far for both the opposing defense and the Dolphins defense. So leaning on the heavy running game is definitely a good plan. I am terrified, frankly, of Theo Riddick just because the Dolphins don't cover backs that well out of the backfield. But speaking of guys that can make plays in the passing game, let's talk about that trio of Lions receivers because, for my money, they might be the best in the business. Talking, of course, about Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, and Kenny Galladay. What is the best way to keep those guys in check this Sunday? Because the Dolphins should get their second cornerback back, which gives them their top three corners. But even still, I'm worried about the matchup, Matt. Yeah, and it's funny. I know the Dolphins are, have been intercepting the football at, at a crazy rate, yeah. but look at the past defense, past even stats numbers. I mean, Trubisky seemed to have good success last week, and the numbers aren't great for Miami in terms of giving up yards, and that could, should be a concern. I think the guy to watch is Kenny Galladay. 6'3", 6'4", has just been a beast this year and makes big plays, tough to defend. Um, you know, I wouldn't compare him to Calvin Johnson yet. But he's really, really good. So you worry about that on the outside, and boom, Golden Tate slips it, you know, in the slot, a uh, little yard yards after the catch, and then boom, you know, there's there's the Lions moving the football. Uh, yes, that trio of receivers is very good, and I think the one thing missing is a big target tight end down the seam. Uh, the Lions did attempt to trade for Rob Gronkowski in the offseason. We've known that story for a while. And Gronk didn't want to come to Detroit. Heck, he didn't want to go anywhere but play with Tom Brady. But that's where they're weak is, is the tight end position. We'll see if they try to utilize that this week. But, sure, I'm with you about, about Jones and, and, and Golden and certainly Kenny Galladay. Those guys are, are very, very good. I don't know if I'm going to say they're the best trio yet, uh, 
uh, out there. You know, what Kansas City brings to the table, and certainly Minnesota is pretty impressive. Um, but those guys can all play. And then Tate's a guy, and I know Albert Wilson talked about it the other day. Albert says he's the yak guy, and he's the king in the, in the NFL. Well, Golden Tate's not going to give up that crown sitting down, so that'll be a fun matchup this weekend. Yeah, definitely. Albert Wilson actually has, I think it's 89 more yak yards than the next closest guy on the list this year, but it's been on a few big plays. Let's go ahead and talk about the prediction here, Matt. You guys are coming off a bye week. You've beaten your toughest opponents at homes at home, struggle on the road a little bit. What is your prediction for the Lions in South Florida on Sunday? Um, I'm, I'm actually going to pick Detroit, and I haven't but for most of the year, <laughs> including including the Packer game that I thought would be a shootout and Green Bay would win. I think this is going to be a shootout, too. These games in the NFL right now are high scoring. We saw the Monday night, the Sunday night game in the 40s, the Monday night game in the 30s. You know, I could see a 37-34 final here. Matt Prater, a very good kicker, um, and I think that uh, I think he'll come into play this this Sunday. But I'll take Detroit in a close one. I think Miami is, is are the Dolphins really a 5-2 and two football team? I'm not ready to crown you guys yet. So I'm going to take the Lions in a shootout, 37-34. Yeah, it's definitely a bold pick. The Dolphins have been very good at home this year, but like you said, coming off that emotional win will be tough. Again, he is Matt Deary of the Locked on Lions podcast. You can find him on Twitter, at Deary Speaks. This is a lot of fun, Matt. Thanks for joining me. All right, Travis, no problem. As always, Crossover Wednesday, a smashing success, talking to the host of the other Locked On podcast. I do apologize for the sound quality issues we had there. I had some of my own difficulties on my end, so that's definitely my fault. And I put the quarterback discussion on the back burner for long enough. We'll get to it next after a word from Vivid Seats. And we talk all the time on this podcast about the Dolphins' impressive home record at Hard Rock Stadium. And with Vivid Seats, we want to get you to the game. We all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on the Miami Dolphins. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all live events that you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section or row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive 20 bucks off orders of $200 or more to save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code Locked On, one word, Locked On, for twenty dollars off orders of two hundred dollars or more for new customers to Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a one hundred percent buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app. Enter promo code Locked On for twenty dollars off. Orders of $200 or more for new customers of Vivid Seats. Make memories that last a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. All right, the extended Wednesday version of the Locked On Dolphins podcast rolling into the C block here. And normally they tell you to play the hits, talk about the quarterback position, talk about Brock Osweiler and Ryan Tannehill. What the hell is going on there? But I had to save it for the end today because I don't want to lead the podcast off with quarterback watch every day this week, unless maybe you guys would like that. Let me know on Twitter if you would. But let's go ahead and unpack the starting situation. We all know that Tannehill, when he's back and healthy, he is the starter but when is that going to be? By the time you guys hear this podcast, we should have some updates in regards to his practice availability on Wednesday today. That will tell us a lot, and especially if he goes on to practice Wednesday and Thursday without limitations, that would say that he's back and ready to go. It's a possibility. I don't think it'll happen, but it could. We never know. 
but I tend to think he's going to require some rest just because that seems to be how it goes for the Miami Dolphins and their football hopes and injuries. I don't know how much it'll be, but I think it's more about soreness and managing that soreness with that AC joint. So we will see. As for his backup, look, the numbers were nice. He did a good job on third down. He made the most out of his chances, but Brock Osweiler wasn't the star of this game, not by a long shot. I haven't seen the pass protection that great from this team in a long, long time. And Adam Gaze did a nice job creating those easy throws we talked about out of condensed formations that they haven't previously shown in other games. And as has been the case with Ryan Tannehill this year, Osweiler did miss some shots downfield. And I do find it funny on Twitter, the same folks that complain that or that haven't really given Osweiler any complaints are the same ones that complained about Ryan Tannehill doing the exact same things Osweiler did on Sunday. But just like Tannehill was before the injury, they both are missing some reads. So there's still a lot of meat left on the bone in this offense. Osweiler's accuracy only betrayed him a few times and the two interceptions were both really, really bad. So all things told, the most you can expect from a backup quarterback is to do what Brock Osweiler did. Came in, got the job done, did enough to get the W. Now, if we have to play him for an extended period of time, teams get that tape and we're not able to surprise them like we did with the Chicago Bears. I don't know if the offense can sustain functionality going forward with Brock Osweiler. I've been wrong before, so we'll see on this one. All right, guys, that's going to be my time today. You know we have the preview podcast coming up tomorrow, breaking down all things Lions and Dolphins from my own perspective and my research and my film study. So we'll have that coming for you guys tomorrow as well as the Twitter mailbag on Friday's show. But as for today's podcast, that is going to do it for me. Again, thanks to Matt Deary of Locked On Lions for the crossover podcast. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football.